Bad locks, bad locks from GK. When the will Falcons, I bro? It? What? When will I clinch it? Because right now I'm technically five games ahead of you. I think you. I I think you're pretty damn close. Yeah. So it's week. So week twelve. I think I could clinch it. I think that you are currently. I'm five games ahead of you. In line to receive this jersey on your birthday. That'd be fire. Then it'd just be a birthday present. Works out. Is it bad that I've started to think about who my top five would be? No, you should because it's over. This is the worst season I've ever had on this history of the podcast. But it's not over because it's like literally I just go on a cold streak and then what? Dude, Sundays have been this bad for me too. It's crazy. Like, and I've been making money throughout the week. I lost, dude. I, I... you once didn't cover last night. I was kind of pissed. The the last two days, I think I lost sixteen units. Last week, I finished up. I was playing with a lot of house money, though. I finished. Up I started. 20... With, I started with two units. I, I really started from the bottom that we hit. But, Will, if you want to join me, I'm starting from the bottom again. So you're going to be in the group there. I want to be starting from the bottom when I get my paycheck, I think, this week. I already placed a bet in there for today. I actually don't know if it hit. Dude, last night, um, so my roommate Bobby is a Michigan State fan, so we put on Michigan State JMU. We watched the last seconds before going to overtime. I look, Sean, both of my roommates, Sean, have been betting every night. I look over at Sean. I'm like, live bet JMU money line. Slammed it. Need it. And I told him to take the Canucks minus one and a half last night because Stuart Skinner sucks. So you're hitting all the bets for everybody else, but not for yourself? Yeah, I've been I've been feeding, but I can't bet because I, I literally have nothing. You've been feeding? Me. You've been feeding the last two bets? I gave him a couple things. <laughs> I've, been, I've, been, I've been blessing him the last couple of days. I got you. Dude, I have, right. I have film, bro. I put up numbers. I'm ready, I'm streets, ready to bro. ride. And you seen it. Look. I'm ready to ride. That over yesterday was such a tough loss. Or the under. Yeah. Yes, and then. I, dude, I looked at that one too late, and I was like, I actually wanted in on that one. Yeah, that one was wild. Excuse me, sir. Eleven pick parlay, five dollar bonus bet to win seventy. Stop it on a heater himself, though. Stop just doing this thing with big little fifteen hundred dollar anytime touchdown parlay a couple weeks ago. That's crazy. Any dude, he fed me that before. I didn't have any money in my balance because I was too busy losing it all. <sighs> yeah, and then my three hundred dollar one on a Sunday. Yep, that was a big one too. Then the Rangers future was nice. The Bengals Sunday night. I what did you what was the Ranger? Where'd you get the Rangers future at? Plus I got it originally at plus two thousand. Wow. And then I bet it again at the start of the playoffs at plus fifty at plus a thousand. Wow. Wow. That's some good units right there. Yeah. yeah. So like the That's last units in advance. You're like, yo, hold these units off to the side. I'm gonna get them when the Rangers win the World Series. The uh kind of last... like me with the Seahawks Super Bowl. 
did I tell you? Oh, I'm not going to tell you the future I placed regarding the NFL. I placed a few futures like last week. And you're not going to tell us? Well, the odd. Actually, no, I did tell you guys the Seahawks win the NFC West. I just didn't want to jinx it. Oh, simple. And that was before they traded for Leonard Williams. Well, but but here's the thing. Here, no, here's the thing. They had a bad week. They had a bad week. Welcome to the episode. This is a cold open. I'm going to figure out where we're going to um, start this. Um, the Seahawks had a bad week. And this is just like, I'm going to get this out of the way because we all saw what happened. And it, I literally have one thing to say. They played in the 1 o'clock slate. What do you want from them? Yeah, that's like a 10 a.m. game in reality. That's what I'm saying. And they were playing against the Ravens, who, I mean, have been crushing teams the last few weeks. And I don't think that there's been a lot of talk. Oh, someone said on ESPN that Gino should be benched. For who? Drew like, Locke. You want Drew Locke to play quarterback? That literally makes zero sense, bro. And it pisses me off because we're a three-loss team. We are sitting right in there in the NFC West, and we had a chance to take it over this week, and that won't be our last opportunity. So this team, like every champion, has to battle through adversity. They're going to see it early in the season. And, you know, what I mean? I'm just saying that maybe this team hasn't spiked yet this season. And I think that Kenneth Walker is going to stay healthy. I think that a lot of these guys are going to end up booming. Um, and I think that this defense is legit. The Ravens are hot right now. They're going to win the AFC North. That's my, I, I think that they're going to win the AFC North. I don't think that they're a Super Bowl team. I don't think that they win it this year. I think that they're peaking too early. Um, so Griff, here's my counter argument. And I guess we could have be on opposite sides of this. Cause I played, I placed three futures that are kind of putting all my eggs in one basket. Um, Not talking about the Seahawks one. So mm-hmm. one of them, that the Super Bowl champion would come out of the AFC North. Oh, okay. My next one, the Cincinnati Bengals, Super Bowl champions. Okay. And the Baltimore Ravens, Super Bowl champions. Super Bowl champions. So I really, I really think either one of those teams can end up winning the Super Bowl. Um. I think that the Ravens' defense is really the catalyst of this entire team because their defense is fucking nasty. Like, regardless of how you put it, and they have depth, and they have guys who hit hard, and to go into Baltimore late into the season is probably not the best thing for an opposing team. And you look at the games that the favorites of the AFC have played in, like if you want to talk about the Miami Dolphins, if you want to talk about the Kansas City Chiefs, the Buffalo Bills – they struggle against really good defenses. And the Chiefs have been winning games because of their defense. So if you get into defensive battle, I truly think that the Ravens will come out on top in that situation. And let's talk about the uh, Cincinnati Bengals too, because, I mean, they had a huge win on Sunday night against the Bills. I think that we're starting to put the Bills in fraud category with the Dolphins, if I'm being honest. But the Bengals have gotten better every single fucking week. and. Joe Burrow looks healthy. Jamar Chase looks good. T. Higgins is getting into his own. Joe Mixon's running the ball well. That defensive line is playing awesome. That offensive line is protecting Joe Burrow. And they're kind of climbing up, and it's really just going to be a two-headed uh, 
two-headed monster at the top of the AFC North. And everyone in the AFC North is above 500. I don't consider Pittsburgh a part of like that gauntlet in the AFC North. But I really love Baltimore, and I really love Cincinnati. I mean, I feel like that's totally a fair pain to have. I mean, obviously the Bengals are kind of trending very much upward, and I totally am with you there with the Bills being frauds. I mean, we can really get into that too, which – Week in, week out, I feel like we're always talking about how either the Bills, like <laughs> Stephon Diggs looks great and he scored a touchdown and the Bills played well. But that game on Sunday Night Football, that simply just cannot happen. Like they, they cannot afford to lose a game like that. What did they lose? Um, what was it? 24 to 18. And they they really haven't even looked like a team these past few weeks. I, I know Stephon Diggs caught a TD against the loss against the Patriots, but he's been kind of quiet a little bit. Gabe Davis did nothing on Sunday, which was surprising to me. That offense looked pretty stagnant. There's a lot of question marks over there. And I, week in, week out, I feel like they're getting more fraud watch than I can even imagine. Yeah, and you're watching a shift in the AFC of some teams emerging and some teams really showing their true colors and the Buffalo Bills being on that you know, downside where this team is kind of back to, okay, we have to win this game strictly through Josh Allen, led the team in rushing in this game. Um, And that's not a good sign for this team. And in my opinion, they're not going to win many games when he's leading this team rushing Um, because just of, I, I feel like James Cook is capable and he could be the running back of a team that, you know, goes to the promised land. I think that he is a guy that needs to be utilized a little bit more in this offense. And even though you're playing behind in a game, um, at times, you know, you're down one score and, and you can afford to run the ball. They they go out, they throw the ball 38 times, and James Cook really does nothing for this offense. He gets a few grabs, uh, but nothing special. And this Cincy defense really came through at the end of the day and just like i said you you force it in the home or in the hands of josh allen and you don't allow him to get it out to his playmakers uh gabe davis does nothing uh this defense from since is legit the pass rush is legit and you know if you want to talk about one guy joe burrow threw for 350 yards in this game stuff so. yeah i mean like i said they're just getting better every single week and the early season struggles, I think we can kind of point that towards his injury because they went all in on it on Sunday night talking about how he really wasn't pushing off his leg. He couldn't move in the pocket that well. But I think them going on that bye week, them facing Arizona, getting Jamar Chase more involved, have him having that crazy game, um, that's kind of where things started to turn around. And the Bengals are sitting at 5-3. and three. Everyone basically wrote them off, but they have some impressive wins. I mean – their last three wins alone are very impressive, in my opinion, because not only do you go to um, San Francisco and skull fuck the 49ers, you beat the Seahawks in a very physical close game that had a lot of adversity in it for both sides. And then you beat the bit, the Bills in a very emotional game on Sunday Night Football. And I think that makes Joe Burrow, what, 3-0 and against Josh Allen? And... We're starting to have this conversation about the Bills. Like, okay, they're supposed to be Super Bowl favorites, right? Like, everyone's talking about how the Bills are a top two team in the AFC at the beginning of the year, and they've fallen off tremendously. And I think there's a world where the Bills don't even make the playoffs. Um, if this is, it's kind of a long shot, but we're sitting here 
the Bills are at five and three or five and four. I'm sorry, with some very bad losses against the New York Jets, the New England Patriots. Um, they lost as well to the Jaguars, and obviously they lost to um, the Bengals on Sunday. But they're also like a pass interference on Sunday Night Football against the Giants and Chris Godwin turning around and catching a touchdown from literally having two wins. So, or from having three wins. They could easily be three and six right now. And this Bills team has not played well, and they're not even trending in the right direction. Um, what At what point do they fire Sean McDermott? Because there's no excuse for this team to be this bad. And me, be, me saying this, they're at five and four, but we expect the Buffalo Bills to be six and three, seven and two at this point in the year. Yeah, and we expect them to be mentioned within the likes of the Eagles and the Chiefs and teams like of that stature at this point. And we're sitting here again at this time of the season um, wondering when this offense will really pull through and start putting up 30 points a game. Um, the defense, I just like – I, I hate the defense of the Buffalo Bills. I don't know what it is. You know, they've had those safeties there for a while, um, and they're all right. And they just – I don't know. This team has to put up 30 points to win a game, and they should be able to. This offense, you know, the names that you see on this offense should be capable of putting up a good amount of points um, in a game, and they just – come out here and put up a shitter in a DeMar Hamlin revenge game. Um, It's tough to see. Shout out DeMar Hamlin, comeback player of the year. Um, But, you know, you want to talk about the AFC East. They're still, you know, kind of in the mix with it, but Miami is still up there. Obviously, they took a loss this weekend as well. Uh, But Miami's sitting at six and three, Stav, and Buffalo at five and four right now. So, I mean, there is a world where Buffalo doesn't make the playoffs. Yeah, and I mean, mean, yeah, we'll go. I was going to say, I pulled up their schedule just to see what they got going on. This is horrific for them. Like, I honestly, the world where they don't make the playoffs is seeming a whole lot like it's going to happen, given their path. They go in next week to play the Broncos on Monday Night Football at home. That should be a win. If they lose that game, they should just be written off the entire. They actually just erase their name off the, the AFC East. They go and play the Jets at home again, which should also be a win for them, but they lost the first matchup, and the Jets aren't awful. That defense is a whole lot better, and they're playing terrible against good defenses. Then they go and play the Eagles, the Chiefs, the Cowboys, then the Chargers. Yeah. Those are not easy games. No. And not only that, I mean, you face the Patriots and the Patriots. We're going to get to them eventually. They fucking suck. But then you have the Dolphins in the last week of this season, which could essentially be your season. And you're going on the road to Miami, in which that game – I assume Miami's probably going to have the division clinched by then if things kind of trend the way they do. I don't think the Dolphins have that tough of a schedule going forward. Uh, I think they kind of got through their – yeah, they have a very easy schedule going forward. I mean, they face the Ravens and the Cowboys. But um, the Dolphins should end up being clinched by then. So that game for the Buffalo Bills could literally be their season. And they have not fared well in Miami the last few years, as have many teams. But – that world if the Bills don't make the playoffs it's kind of scary because what do you do? You paid Josh Allen all of this money. Stephon Diggs is clearly unhappy. Um, 
Who the fuck? Uh, yeah, Diggs is unhappy. Gabe Davis is not producing. Sean McDermott is going to be fired. He's going to – the GM is probably going to be fired too. Uh, there's a Hoyer lot – and Hyde are in, what, year 11? Both of their yeah. safeties? Yeah, exactly. The, the defense is getting so much older. Tredavious White cannot stay on the field. Vaughn Miller is getting older, and you paid him so much money, and he hasn't really produced for you. So Matt Milano, I think, is a f- upcoming free agent. There's going to be a lot of shakeup on this team, and your running backs are old. And there, there's nothing really going for the Bills. This was kind of their win now here, and they're sitting here almost at 500 halfway through the year. So if you're the Buffalo Bills, something has to change. And if it doesn't change, they're probably going to enter a rebuild, if I had to say. I was going to say, yeah. they entered this year with the clock ticking, and I'm kind of surprised they made nothing on the trade deadline week. Yeah. Like, surprised they didn't try to get defensive pieces. Like, the the commanders literally flash-sailed their D-line to – I mean, obviously, um, Chase Young went to the 49ers, and then who did – um who picked Montez up? Went to the Bears. Yeah, which was a waste. That that should have been an easy pickup for them. Yeah. And there's they could have probably made some other moves to get like a secondary piece or something like that because they've been getting picked apart in their losses. And if a team is scoring above 20 points against the Buffalo Bills, they haven't won, which I think is a very important stat to say because everyone brings that up about the Patriots. I, I'm saying that because I hear it all the time. But every time an opponent has scored over 20 points against the Bills this season, they haven't won. So. I think it says something about the offense too, where they can't handle adversity. And we're supposed to say Josh Allen dominating shootouts. Well, he also turns the ball over at a much sig- more significant rate than any other quarterback has since entering since he entered the league in 2018. So there's some conversations that need to be had about the Buffalo Bills. But let's stay in the AFC East. Let's talk about the Miami Dolphins versus the Kansas City Chiefs. Are we talking about the Dolphins being frauds too? Because they put up 70 points. They beat up on all the bad teams. They have yet to beat a team above 500. So, what, Griff, what do you look at? You look at this Dolphins team. Do you actually think that they're a threat to do anything in the playoffs? I I think that the Chiefs are the Dolphins' kryptonite. I think that there's just a select few teams that if the Dolphins run across them in the playoffs, the, the Dolphins have absolutely no chance. Now, I'm – I, I think if they see a team like the Bills in the wild card, um, they have a chance to advance. But the Chiefs are one of those teams, and they proved it this week with that defense that, that you know, we're kind of going into this week and Tyreek Hill's talking, oh, like this is like a revenge week, like I'm going up against my old team. But all of his old teammates are going up against him, the guys that went up against him in practice every day. So, like, these guys wanted a piece of that too, and they got it. I mean, they – it, it, it was a tremendous game from the K- Kansas City defense and two quarterbacks that both kind of matched each other. I know that Mahomes threw for one more touchdown in this game, um, <clears throat> and it made all the difference. It was a great win by the Kansas City Chiefs, a tough win, um, you know, in a week where you have to travel and you have to take on one of the best teams in the AFC. And I think that the Dolphins still stand up there, but I think it, it just proves how much more legit of a team the Chiefs are, especially with that defense right now. I'm sort of in the same range as you, Griffin. Honestly, I feel like to the point where we can't really necessarily call the Dolphins frauds, but they're on fraud watch for sure. I think they're going to be one of those teams that when they squeeze into the playoffs, like 
Devon Achan comes back. They have all their speedy guys. Tyreek Hill is still a threat in the playoffs, especially as a veteran. I think it really the only pressure where where come playoff time when we get there is really on Tua. It's really how he can perform in the playoffs and what he can really bring to the table. I mean, during the regular season, he's been great. He's been playing great. Granted, they took a tough loss to the Chiefs in Germany, which obviously that's a neutral site for both of them. Chiefs look legit after some questionable things that have gone on, especially last week. But, I mean, I feel like it's really all going to be on Tua going forward for them. I know he's been playing well, but I think that pretty much draws the line where they either become frauds or they become a much more competitive team and they utilize their speed, they utilize their defense, especially with Jalen Ramsey going to be on his third week back. I think if they utilize those components of their team, they're going to be a whole lot – they're going to be taking a whole lot more serious. I I don't think they can beat the Ravens. I don't think they can beat the Chiefs. That's what I'm. That's what I'm gonna put it at. I think that there is absolutely a zero percent chance, and I'm saying this right now, that if the Dolphins meet up with either the Ravens or the Chiefs, there's a zero percent chance the Dolphins win that game in the playoffs this year. All it's right, zero percent there. I'm gonna put the Bengals in a ninety percent. 90% chance that they – just so I guess 10% chance that the Dolphins win that. Because um, I think that – I dude, I, I think that if the Jets sneak into the playoffs, I think the Jets could beat the Dolphins. Like, I, I you see what I'm saying? But then I, I, I look at some other teams that could make the playoffs, especially get into the wild card, and, and the Dolphins are better than them. And, you know, yeah. um, I think that it, it'll be a good game against the Bengals. I know that you have – uh, the Bengals high on your board. I think that there's a few other teams too. Like I think it'll be a good game against Jacksonville. Um, yeah. If Jacksonville ends up winning the AFC South and whoever really comes out of that AFC East other than them, if it's the Bills or the Jets or, you know, if yeah. Bills God the touches the New England Patriots. Yeah, it's not happening. Um, but you look at the playoffs, right? So the winner of the AFC East. So the Chiefs are probably going to be the one seed, then the Ravens, then the Dolphins, then the Jaguars. And then the five, six, seven, you're probably going to put the Bengals at five. So you're saying, hypothetically, if the Dolphins fall off a little bit, that the Dolphins face the Bengals round one. I'm this is hypothetical of the Bengals, too, because the Bengals are at the bottom of the division right now. Are they? I thought they were second. I think, like, record-wise, they're all tied there. But I think that with tiebreakers – Pittsburgh's uh, yeah, not going to make the playoffs. Right. Pittsburgh's you're not right. going to make the playoffs, but I still think Cleveland's a threat. You want to know what's a crazy stat that I saw? CJ Stroud has more touchdown passes than Kenny Pickett in his career. Oh my god! Yeah, that's embarrassing. And what's crazy to me is the Steelers have a negative thirty point differential, and they're technically second in the division. That defense, dude. The defense, like they're so good in late game situations that it's just like you don't want to face them. Come December, you know what I mean? Like going to Pittsburgh. Welcome to the and, AFC North. Yeah, like going to Pittsburgh on like a Sunday four o'clock game. You're not fa- like it's not a favorable situation. And I mean, we're talking about Cincy too. I I, I think Cincy's going to go on a run. Obviously, um, Cleveland is kind of interesting right now too, just because Deshaun Watson came back. I know that you had a. You had an easy game against Arizona, but he looked they good. Blew out. Yeah, that that running game's looking good. The defense is looking great. So that AFC North, three teams could make the play. Uh, 
Four teams could make the playoffs in the AFC North. <laughs> the entire division. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't think the Steelers are going to, but I, I genuinely believe that three teams could this year, which is crazy to say. Imagine saying that five years ago. Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, I don't think – I think we're only going to see one representative out of the South. I only think we're going to see one representative out of the West. Unless the Texans sneak in, dude. I know. They're, Texans, they're, they're playing well. They're playing well, but I, their defense kind of scares me. They lose shitty games like they did to the Panthers and the Falcons. I mean – They play the Bengals next week. That's Insane. that's the biggest battle of Stav's guys. Stroud and uh, I think Stroud emerged as like the number one. They have new- a few test games, stuff, but they got a chance of making it because the AFC South sucks. They play Cincy and then they play Arizona the next week. Then they face Jacksonville at home. Then you got the Broncos, Jets, Titans, Browns, Titans, Colts. Like they could strung out some wins. And CJ Stroud is a guy that we have to talk about today because you know that that was probably the game of the weekend. And yeah. To come back with what? There was probably 52 seconds or 46 yeah. seconds, something under a minute left. And he drove his team down the field swiftly, won the game, Tank Dell, touchdown, Tank Dell, CJ Stroud. That combo has been awesome this year. Um, and that's something that, you know, can really help uh, a, a young quarterback is having a guy that he can be with every day. Tank Dell is that guy. I have him in fantasy. Nobody cares. Um, but he has really made a difference in this team. And this game was awesome to watch. It was one of those games that was kind of hidden from this weekend because it, it wasn't two great teams record-wise. Um, both teams fighting to get back to 500. And C.J. Stroud went out there and threw for 470 yards, five touchdowns. They didn't have – like any of their running backs in this game, it didn't matter. Noah Brown went off. Um, how many three three players had over a hundred receiving yards in this game? Four players scored touchdowns. Um, it, it, it was just a, overall a great effort by the Houston Texans, a great win, and one of the most exciting wins of this season. Yeah, and we're not even talking about like how impressive CJ Stroud has been granted his receiving core i feel like this is gonna sound like such a fucking stupid take but we talk about the kansas city chiefs and how mahomes doesn't have a wide receiver one the receivers are struggling there look what cj stroud is doing with these guys these guys are all undrafted players sixth seventh round guys like i'm not comparing mahomes and don't don't take it out of context but no one's talking about how CJ Stroud has elevated the play of this entire roster. Um, this is basically the same exact receiving core as they had last year. And last year they went two and whatever, right? So you add CJ Stroud, you already have more wins than you did last year. And you're competing for an AFC South title halfway through the year. You can't ask for a better start from a rookie quarterback. And he really doesn't have a supporting cast around him. Like I, I genuinely think, I mean, you can say this about every single quarterback, and I bring this up quite often. I think I bring this up in the Mac Jones debate when there was something to debate about it, where if you got him a wide receiver one, he'd be a really good quarterback. I think C.J. Stroud is in that category of, like, 
what we saw from Joe Burrow two or three years ago in his rookie year. You go out and you got you drafted Jamar Chase, and then Tua, you go and got him Tyree Kill. Josh Allen, you got him Stephon Diggs. If the Texans were to get a star wide receiver one, the Texans would be favorites to win the AFC South. I think they would, they would immediately better be better than Jacksonville. Yeah, and, and you know what? The thing that I love about what Houston did in the draft is you talk about the two guys that they got in the first round, um, and y- you mentioned, Stav, they, they kind of have similar weapons to what they had last year, and that's true, but they got two key guys this offseason, one in free agency, one in the draft. Um, Dalton Schultz coming over was a huge addition for C.J. Stroud. We talk about having a wide receiver one. We also talk a lot about on this podcast having that security blanket, having that tight end to make a young quarterback feel safe um, is always awesome. And then, you know, a guy that I already mentioned, but Tank Dell, who they drafted in the third round this year, he's obviously not a guy that's going to go up and get you a contested ball. He's he's not too tall. I know he's under six foot, um, but he's a difference maker. He scores two touchdowns in this game. He's a rookie. Um, and if they can go out and get another receiver, I think that – we start to look at this uh, the, these, this weapon group fully healthy, especially with Damian Pierce in the backfield, and, and we start to say, oh, well, Tank Dell's kind of coming together as a wide receiver too, and uh, John Mechie's a, a, a sneaky guy that you could get in, in the slot, and Nico Collins and Noah Brown had a big week, but I, I really don't think he's going to be in the future of this franchise. Um, but there's a few guys that there's some youth there, um, and, and there's some guys that are very trustworthy, like Dalton Schultz. Um, so th- that's why there's been a lot of success on this offense. But you're right. If they go out and get that next guy stuff, then we start to talk about them contending and, and doing different things in the AFC South. I mean, totally. I was just going to say Dalton Schultz is like I, I watching the game on Sunday. My first thought was you couldn't have gotten a better guy for first drop to throw the ball to. I mean, he he's there open all the time. I mean, he was great on the Cowboys, good red zone threat for them. He doing everything you could possibly ask for them. But I mean, the Texans really struck gold with Stroud. They're they're playing well. They're things are starting to come together for them and they're really only a couple pieces in the secondary and on that defense away from really raising eyebrows and question marks going past the offseason next year going into next season where people are like, "Okay, well, Where's Jacksonville at? Where's where are the Texans at? Because those are going to be the two teams. I mean, obviously, we have the Colts with Anthony Richardson. This division is kind of on its comeback. I mean, Will Levis didn't have a great game on Thursday night football, but he didn't look that bad. I mean, he 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 played a pretty good game. They didn't win. Threw a pick at the end of the game, but you can't blame him for making a, for trying to make a play there. But I mean, this Texans team could could be potential division winners in the future. Yeah, um, it's it's fun. It's fun to think about the that the Texans did everything right, and yeah, they're a few pieces away. They might not even make the playoffs this year, but it'd be fun to see them kind of backdoor into the playoffs. I don't really remember the last time a rookie quarterback led a team to the playoffs. I mean, obviously, like Mac Jones did it his rookie year, but I wouldn't really say Mac Jones led them to the playoffs. I think that was more the defense that year and like kind of the surrounding pieces. Um, but what, where do we want to go from here? What game is next? I mean, I, I guess we should just rip off the bandit at this point. Talk about the shit show that we see out the saw from the Patriots this weekend. I, I don't even really want to talk about the game because there's nothing really to talk about. Um, 
Mac Jones missed some some open throws. The receivers dropped some deep passes. Tyquan Thornton doesn't know how to run a route. Juju Smith-Schuster dropped the game away. Uh, That's all I really had to say from them. But there are some reports that if the Patriots go into Germany this weekend, lose to the Colts, that Bill Belichick might not be riding that team playing back with the Patriots, Um, which would be interesting that they would elevate Gerard Mayo to the interim coach. I don't think that's going to happen. I think that's not really what Kraft would do for him. I think that there's kind of a mutual respect there where they wouldn't fire him in the season. I think that they would trade him, to be honest. But um, there's no there's no direction for this Patriots team other than a top five pick. I, I don't see it. This roster is not talented enough to make any noise, go on a run and play spoiler. There's nothing there. This team sucks. And I, I to be honest, I didn't even watch this game. I mean, I'm kind of in the same way. I mean, obviously, we chatted the other day about kind of the direction we would love to see this team take. But, I mean, I'd be very surprised if they got rid of Bill Belichick after a game in Germany. I mean, also, that would totally happen at the same time. Like, that would just Because they're going into the bye week after Germany, too. That's the point of that. It it would totally be our team to do something like that. I just – I'm also there with you with the trade. I – this team sucks. Like, they suck bad. I mean, you go look. I saw something today on Twitter where we literally just had this conversation 20 seconds ago about Strude and his young wide receivers and how, like, he's doing all this with no names. And we have guys that are just aging on our team and Mac Jones. And, like, the disconnect there is very unreal. Um, I really didn't even pay attention to this game. I had it on the other TV. I really couldn't have given – like less of a shit about it. I was really focused on red zone and the other games, but I mean, awful, awful game. I wouldn't be surprised if we lost in Germany. I, this team should just lose out. I don't think getting rid of Belichick in the middle of the season or now really is a problem. I think that all needs to be addressed in the off season when they have time. They're, they just, honestly, at this point, it's better off just to play out the season and move on. You're muted. just like the Patriots offense and and this team had many chances to win this game against Washington. I actually, um, it's funny that you guys mentioned it it was tough watching this game. I had some money uh, um, in, in Foxborough and in the boys in blue um, and DeMario Douglas fell five yards short of me. I had him 60 plus yards. Um, So, you know, it was upsetting, but there's, Things about this team in New England where you still want to say that they're frisky, right? And it's tough to see them drop a game like this. Um, Washington goes in there and Sam Howell throws for 325 yards on a Bill Belichick defense. I don't mean to be rubbing anything, um, rubbing any salt in the wound, but it's it's tough. And it's the part of the season where you got to decide, you know, the direction that you want this team to go in. Um, so lining up with a Germany game, if this was any other franchise, this would be a loss in your out situation for any other coach in this league. Um, I think if they were in this position, uh, especially with this roster that they've produced uh, the past few years. So it, it, it's really tough for the New England Patriots. We mentioned the AFC race or the AFC East race and it's going to be tough for the Pats to come back in that there's there's really no hope left for the season. Yeah. Well, what do we say? So I said my dream offseason. I hate talking about offseason, but like my dream culture shift, you bring someone from 
San Francisco's front office into your front office, like the assistant mm-hmm. GM. I forget his name, but he'll probably we hire this off page about that. Yeah. Um, you, I want you to elevate Gerard Mayo to defensive coordinator. I, I wouldn't, to be honest, this might sound stupid. I wouldn't mind if you brought back McDaniels as your offensive coordinator. Um, and maybe you hire Eric Bieniemy as your uh head coach, and you draft a quarterback round one or round two. Uh, we said Jaden Daniels. If he slips to round two, I think he's going to be a top twenty pick. I don't mm-hmm. think that's going to happen. But um, if you're really all in on building from the ground up, you draft Marvin Harrison Jr. in the first round because you're probably going to get a top three, top four pick, and then you trade, you trade to the fifteenth, twentieth pick to get Jaden Daniels, and that's your wide receiver one, and that's your QB of the future. And you stick with Demario Douglas. I, I have no problem with him being a wide receiver three on this team. If Kendrick Porham wants to come back, maybe he's a wide receiver two. But you 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 have to make moves. You have to make moves. You have to have a complete culture reset if you're the New England Patriots because there's nowhere to go. And 100%. I wouldn't really mind if you traded away every single piece you had on defense as well other than Christian Gonzalez. Like if you want to kind of move on from Matthew Judon, if you want to move on from guys like Adrian Phillips, you get draft capital for them and you start the rebuild. I don't think it's going to take a one season to rebuild this roster. The offensive line is kind of fine. It's getting older, but you you bring in an offensive minded coach, you draft the quarterback, you draft a wide receiver that cannot fail essentially. And you build, you look at what the Texans did, their rebuild lasted the last year was their tank year they're playing in competitive football games now that's all we really want you're not playing in competitive football games you're losing to the bad teams you're losing to the good teams so yeah that's just, i don't really have anything else to say uh not no you've got it right 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 down to the finest detail and I think that there's no better time than to, you know, kind of sell off these pieces, gain some capital from them. And you mentioned a, a guy like Christian Gonzalez, but there's a few guys on that defense that are still young and, and are still very, very bright spots. And um, a couple of guys that have popped up, especially in the last few weeks, I want to mention Jelani Tavai has been good. Um, Duggar has obviously been doing his thing. And those are guys that it, it's funny. I'm mentioning like, D2 guys, but these guys are starting on this defense and they are good. They are producing. Um, and there's bright youth spots on this defense. And you want to talk about Demario Douglas on this offense, um, Ramondre Stevenson as well. Demario Douglas, I, I, I agree with your take. Um, I think it was a great take. I don't think he's anything more than a wide receiver three in this league. Um, right now, he's kind of producing as the wide receiver one uh, on this Patriots offense. And he still might be going forward with Kendrick Bourne out for the season. Um, and I just think that, you know, with every team that it's all about rebuilding at the right time. And I think the Patriots have a very good opportunity to make this rebuild very quick. That's all I really had to say. Um, my, my team has gone through rebuilds in my lifetime um, and they last pretty quick. And if they do it efficiently, and you got you got to trust at the end of the day. I don't think you can let Bill Belichick go. I think if you change, you know, his ways and you're like, okay, like we need to rebuild this uh, roster, lock into this GM mode, I think he can do the trick. I think I would be open to bringing Belichick back as a head coach. I don't think he's doing a bad job as the head coach. I think he sucks as a GM. I think he's terrible as a GM. I think his talent evaluation 
is based on the precipice of Tom Brady being your quarterback. Yeah. Because you bring in Juju Smith-Schuster. If Juju played with Tom Brady, everyone would be talking about, holy shit, look what Tom Brady did to Juju. Like, you know what I mean? Like, look what Juju did last year with Kansas City. It's because you have Patrick Mahomes as your quarterback. Like, Mac Jones can't make mid-receivers good. He makes them worse. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> Mac Jones makes bad receivers bad and bad receivers. He sucks. And I think you really need to see maybe you even give Will Greer a shot. Um, if you lose in Germany to the Colts, I think that nobody's job is safe. I think that Mac Jones would be benched if you lose. Um, I think you try Will Greer at quarterback. Why, my, why not? Right. Like, that that that'd probably be the next person to be fired is Mac Jones after Belichick. You know what I mean? Yeah. And how shitty of a feeling must it be for Mac Jones? Like you're the quarterback that got Bill Belichick fired. Like after 20 years of being a head coach. If Belichick gets it was fired, like, dude, it was inevitable. It was, but it was also so what I don't understand. It I was feel so like avoidable. The Cam Newton Patriots got more hate than this Patriots team did. And the Cam Newton Patriots went seven and eight, uh, seven and eight, or seven and nine, or eight and eight, seven and nine. They went seven and nine. They went seven and nine. This Patriots team is two and seven right now, or they're two and yeah, they're two and seven, two and six. I would rather have Cam Newton off his podcast, come to the New England Patriots, suit up, and play in Germany on Sunday than Mac Jones. Yeah, why not? Cam Newton at least like makes an effort. We agreed on a yeah. quarterback take. Yeah, I mean <laughs> it's really hard to disagree with anybody but Mac Jones. Drew Locke. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, dude, like he's actually like, dude, like Mac you go Jones through every starter in the league. He's like lucky if he's middle of the pack amongst the second stringers. Like I I have a hard time arguing against that. Like, <laughs> I'm trying to think of backup. Like, I would have said Josh Dobbs. Josh Dobbs just led the Vikings to a win. Loved him. Yeah. Josh Dobbs just led the Vikings to a win. Aiden O'Connell. With, I would give Aiden, he's a rookie. I think, he's uh, a rookie. He got something. Yeah, he's a rookie. He just came off of a 30-point win. When was the last time the Patriots put up 30? <laughs> Malik, Malik Willis. Yeah, he can run. I because I agree, I agree, but like I don't know, I always, I always thought about it. Like Malik Willis is like <laughs> around that range, though. But like, cool. I, would Mal- I always thought Malik Willis was better than Mac Jones. Um, the only, <laughs> the only quarterback I really wouldn't take Mac Jones over, or yeah, you know what I'm trying to say is Bailey Zappi. Bailey Zappi fucking sucks. Oh, the other quarterback on your roster. Yeah. <laughs> Who else is there? I wouldn't take Brian Hoyer, the other old quarterback. Um, what about Kenny Pickett? No, actually, no, I don't think I would. No, I'm on I'm on that page too. I just like he came to my mind. I was like, I don't think I want Kenny Pickett either. This is an interesting one right here, Bryce Young. When are we gonna have the discussion that Bryce Young sucks? Right, I'm glad we can pivot. Um, yeah, let's let's he, move to that game, or like to Bryce Young. We're not we don't uh, have to talk about the game. We can just talk about Bryce Young, dude. 
yeah, it's hard. It's hard to give up on a first overall pick so early, but you know he's losing these tough games and sitting at one and seven. Your one win is against the Texans. I'm gonna call that a fluke win, you know. And I think that was a tough loss from the Texans, and the Texans proved it this week. Um, and they they've played some tough teams um, this week. They they're gonna go up um, on Thursday night against Chicago. And then they're going to play Dallas. They meet Tampa later in the season, New Orleans, Jacksonville, Tampa again, obviously, to end out the season. Um, It's just, you know, this roster isn't ready for him yet. And he's going out there. He really hasn't done anything. He's missed a couple of weeks as well. And I just think that it has to take some time. Now, I'm not guaranteeing that this guy's going to be a star in this league. But I just I hate to judge a guy out this early, and it's tough to see him lose so many games. But once you get you know a reset of that offense, and you get Adam Thielen out as wide receiver one, and I I mean could I can't really name many more players on this offense to be honest. Like without looking at anything, they they don't really have much for him, and they need to take some time. That's why they were the number one overall pick. They don't have their pick this year, of course. And that screws them for the future. I was gonna say, like, talk yeah, about that, this guy. Like, talk about a guy who got fucking screwed. Like, actually, like going watching these games on Sunday and watching him out there. Like, he's not looking that great, but this team just sucks. Like, like they yeah. are actually the epitome of ter- terrible football. Like, and if they had their first overall pick to get Marvin Harrison Jr. to pair with Bryce Young, perfect. And Thielen, has been pretty good. He, but he's like he's very, 40 years old. Yeah. So it's not like he's a solution for the future. But hmm. you go and get Marvin Harrison Jr. Or you could have, but you can't now. Like, that's your quarterback and receiver duo of the future. Yeah. And then you just kind of build from there. But you, you literally fuck your entire future. Uh, what were the Panthers thinking? Like by making uh, they, they, they thought all they needed was Bryce Young, but Bryce Young isn't one of those guys that's you know like a a six four six five stout guy that'll go out put his shoulder down. He's a guy that has to maneuver his way through an offense, and we saw him in college with a fantastic line and great targets. And you you give him the ability to go out there and produce with his team. That is where he is in his element. And obviously you could say that about every guy, but there's some different guys earlier in their career that are going to be successful because maybe they don't have that great, you know, offensive line, but they can use their legs and they can use that size to escape the pocket a little bit better. Um, and that's why I don't want to roll out Bryce Young. We, we've seen it um, with, with teams that just don't have these great old lines. You talk about it all the time and these young quarterbacks that can't stand um, in the pocket because of pressure. I mean, this is the first time he's ever seen pressure like this. And I know he played in the SEC at the highest of levels. Um, but, you know, they, they say it. You, you you never experience an NFL defense until you finally uh, step up behind the center. So there's so much time left on this guy's career. Um, but this team's going to suck this year. They're going to be awful this year. Um, and it's going to be tough to spot out a game on this schedule where you could really pick out and be like, they're going to win this game. And it's it sucks, and it's like you don't have any hope. You know what I mean? It's like you can't look forward to anything if you're the Carolina Panthers. Because if you're the Panthers, you could be sitting here like, okay, at least we're gonna get Marvin Harrison Jr. this year. Just like kind of like when the Bengals were struggling that Joe Burrow year after he got hurt. 
it's like, all right, at least we can get like a top 10 pick and help Joe Burrow, whether it be with Penny Sewell or people, some people were Jamar Chase wasn't even a thought, but like you don't have any reinforcements coming. And Brian Burns wants out. Like, name guys on the Panthers. Bryce Young, Miles Sanders, Chubba Hubbard, Adam Thielen, Brian Burns. Who else? Adam Trotman? Is he there now? I, well, wait. They have a crazy... You could have said any name, and I wouldn't disagree with you. Wait. Oh, fuck. I don't want to look it up, but, like, they have a tight end, and he's, his name is, like, ridiculous. <laughs> his name is right. That's rude. No, I'm like, canceling Will like, right just now. Just like oh my god, I'm canceling Will right now. We have to find his name. I'm canceling Will. He caught, yeah, he I've caught a touchdown. Him. He caught a touchdown Imagine on Sunday, like, and it was just like, he like, why is he on this team? <laughs> oh, is it Tommy Tremble? Yeah. Oh, uh, never mind. Yeah, like. All right. Well, I guess you got me. Um, <laughs> yeah, like why is Tommy Trouble? Well, that's the kid from Notre Dame. That kid was supposed to be nice at Notre Dame, and he was never anything at Notre Dame. And, and you know, story of that football program's life because that's exactly what they are. Hayden Hurst is on this team. Correct. Um, DJ Chark. Yeah, that's that's it. Terrace Marshall. They love LSU receivers, just like. The fourth re- string LSU receivers, dude. They're gonna sign that, dude. Who are these people on their defense? What is their defense? Jaden Phoebe, LeBrian Ray, Deshaun Williams, Amari Barno. Like who? Eku Liotta. Jordan Thomas, Luigi, Luigi Villain. <laughs> There's a lot of Luigi Villain. DiCaprio, DiCaprio Boodle. <laughs> Who the fuck are these guys? <laughs> like, what do you? The, the Panthers are going to be the worst team in the NFL for the next five years. Yeah. No, like, probably. And. You know they're gonna need a lot of a lot of uh, capital. They're gonna need to hold on to it because, like you said, they don't have anything in the first round this year, and they're gonna need it for the year's future because we mentioned they're gonna be terrible this year. They're they're probably not gonna be great next year either, um, and probably not the year after that. Um, but I do have to mention real quick. We didn't talk about a game. Um, the Falcons lost. Uh, didn't cover my lock of the week. I'm one seven and one. Dude, what is Arthur Smith doing? Because they started off the season very well, and they were feeding Bijan Robinson. They've gone away from it, and now they're losing. What's the difference? Like, why are you not giving the ball to your best player? Like, what what's wrong with Arthur Smith where he doesn't draw up plays for his best players like Kyle Pitts and Bijan Robinson? Like, Bijan was electric. He was the story of like the first few weeks of the NFL season, like this kid's going to be the offensive rookie of the year. Like he's amazing. He's scoring two touchdowns, like making guys miss in the open field, having cool overhead camera shots of him, like running through people. And then we haven't really heard his name the last like five weeks. So Arthur Smith, give the ball to Bijan Robinson and your team would probably win the NFC South. That's really it. That's it, yeah. That's it for that. Yeah. Um, my lock of the week, the Bengals. We already talked about that game. Uh, mm-hmm. Shout out, name. I'm six and three. Um, 
low-key looking at what jerseys to be getting. Uh, I'm saying yeah. it. Hate to look ahead, but you got to plan for the future sometimes. And yeah, I mean, yeah, the Steelers booked their hotels for the Super Bowl, too. That what year? year? Uh, the year that the Pats beat them. I don't even remember what year that was. I'm not a Patriots fan. So, 2016. No, maybe a minute ago. Maybe like 2007. 2004. Yeah, maybe 04 or 07. It was well, 07. They didn't face the Steelers in that run. They faced the the Jaguars and the Chargers. But maybe 04. 04 was there the was year. A story at the, the Steelers. I mean, there's stories like that all the time. Yeah, that was the Dion Branch year. Yeah, all, one of my all-time favorite Patriots, Dion. Yeah, Branch, he's a Seahawk, Branch. right? Yeah. Uh, for, a, for a quick little uh, cup of coffee. Brief. Cup of tea. Yeah. Well, what was your lock of the week? Uh, I had the Titans over the Steelers, which that was a mistake. I totally didn't even Thursday know. Thursday night, coming out fucking hot. Excuse yeah, me. I, was, I literally said, why not take a Thursday night game? No one's taking it yet. And then as I sit down and watch the game, the Steelers are like 16-1 and one against rookie quarterbacks in prime time. And I was yeah. like, all right, well, we're going for a long yeah, one. Will Levis was that bad. Uh, Will Levis was okay. It wasn't really yeah. – I like how we're just bouncing around this episode. No flow. But, like, we're talking about Thursday night right now. Um the Titans also are one of those teams that don't really – I mean, DeAndre Hopkins is finally playing well, but that game was winnable. It's just they had to take a last-second chance and will Levis through the pick in the end zone. They could have won that game, but it's just the Steelers always show up in the fourth quarter. That's what this identity of the team is. It's a feel-out process for the first three quarters, and then the fourth quarter you take over the games. Every Steelers game ever. Yeah. <laughs> like the, the Los Angeles Lakers. They, they're the Pittsburgh Steelers, according to LeBron. Oh, wow, yeah. What a great transition, too. Um, You know, as the Lakers have been struggling and as LeBron has been not hitting bets for me as of last night, but actually the Lakers have been playing some pretty good ball. Uh, AD goes out last night late in the game. They would have needed him. Um, And, you know, there's a lot of business going around in the NBA. And, you know, we talk about the Lakers, but fuck the Lakers. Like, I don't know why we started off with the Lakers – uh, we are a Celtics podcast. Let's talk about real quick the elephant in the room. The Steelers, the Steelers, nice. The Celtics pick up their first loss of the season in overtime in Minnesota against the quote unquote best defense in the NBA. Anthony Edwards comes alive in overtime, um, comes through in overtime, and takes down the big bad Boston Celtics without Derek White. Um, and I don't think any questions arose from this game. I, It was good. We ripped the Band-Aid off. We got a loss. Um, I've been saying that I don't think the Celtics are going to lose ever, so they lost, but that's because Derek White had a kid. So congratulations to Derek White. Had a kid. Congrats. Congrats. You know, I'm congratulating Congrats. Derek White. Um, it, it, it's nothing to worry about here. You know, the, the, the garden is Eden. The parquet is shined, and we're going to be playing on our fucking little graphic court on Friday. Um, I'm not like you said. I'm not really mad about that loss at all. Anthony Edwards is a star. Um, he continues just to show up in the biggest moments. The I hate a lot of. I hate Rudy Gobert. I was going to say I hate like, oh, yeah. the other guys in the. I Jaylen Brown. <laughs> yeah, Rudy Gobert sucks. I mean, like. 
He's good in the post. Be dunking on him for all the people listening. Sorry, I had to add context. I yeah, ha- have it be known inside the five would dunk on Rudy Gobert if given the opportunity. I would dunk on Rudy Gobert. Um, I'm not mad at this. I think the only thing that I wasn't happy with was Joe Mazzulla not calling timeouts in overtime. Because you can't set up a nine over on it. Well, Joe Mazzulla hates everything that has to do with winning basketball games. But we have the Avengers out there. So when Derek White is out there and we have our, you know, full six, it doesn't matter. You get what I'm saying? I'm not really happy with what Joe Mazzulla wanted. Joe Mazzulla didn't want to win basketball games with like this whole chess shit. This is checkers. This is Joe Mazzulla basketball. Shoot threes and give the ball to Jason Tatum. I really didn't like, I, I haven't. The only negative part about the season so far is the D or the bench has sucked. Oh, awful. Awful. Sam Hauser has been a bright spot. Luke Cornett had a good game last night. Um, but Peyton Pritchard has been horrific and tough to watch. Uh, every season at the beginning of the season, we're getting high hopes for him. He's really going to come through for some at some point because we'll ship him off just like that. So the Boston Celtics, you know, you, you, if we can't see you contribute, you're going to leave. Um, and he hasn't at all. O'Shea Brissett hasn't really gotten any minutes. Neither has uh, Lamar Stevens. Um, and I want to see those two guys get a lot more minutes. I know that they're not really scorers, but hey, if the other team can't score either, then we don't have to get too many buckets ourselves. We have a lot of guys. Um, our whole starting five, one through five, could go out there and get you 25 on it any given night. So I, I'd like to see those defensive kind of bigger win, wings and Brissett and Stevens get some more minutes going, coming down uh, the next few weeks stuff. Yeah, I agree. Um, it's not sustainable to be having like an eight-man rotation all season. I think that we need to see these guys get more run. And I think that we need to kind of see him get into a groove. I think that we beat the Timberwolves if Derek White is playing. But if Derek White's not playing, we need other guys to kind of step into that role. And if Peyton Pritchard isn't really playing well, you got to try O'Shea Brissett. You got to give Lamar Stevens some runs, even maybe Delano Banton. Like mm-hmm. some of these other guys that you brought in the offseason, they haven't really had an opportunity to play in certain situations. And what better time to allow guys to get acclimated to a certain situation than to play them early in the season, right? Like if you're not going to play them now, then when are you going to play them? I don't know. That, that's kind of my only thought about it. Um, they have the 76ers tomorrow night, Wednesday night. I think that we smack them. I, I'm not. I think the 76ers are going to be sellers at the deadline. If I'm being honest. Yeah, agreed. Mm-hmm. Um, in the Indian tournament on Friday. Yep. Harden. Uh, did we talk about Harden going to the Clippers? Oh. Ever? We talked about him going, but we haven't talked about his debut. I don't think it's going to. I haven't given my thoughts. I wasn't on last episode. Um. I don't think it's going to work. I think that they're going to be the sons of last season. They're regular season merchants. I think James Harden doesn't contribute to winning basketball anymore. I I agree 100%. Um, And I think that's all we have to talk about because James Harden is a loser. And um, he's going to ruin – I've been hitting on uh, Russell Westbrook points plus assists because Russell Westbrook's my favorite basketball player. And – he is going to get a severe decrease in touches in this offense. 
And Kawhi Leonard has been talking like he's a role player in this offense too. Um, so I'd be very nervous if I'm a Clippers fan. James Harden ruins franchises. Um, so just something to look out for. Um, the only other things that I really had for the NBA, um, I wanted to talk about since we're playing in the in-season tournament on Friday against the Brooklyn Nets, Cam Thomas has been balling. And he hasn't been doing anything but getting buckets. Um, he, he, I don't think he has an assist this season. Um, but he's leading the team in points per game in Brooklyn at 28. He started the season off slow. I don't have the numbers up in front of me, but he was dropping like, like 13, like 16, 17, and then just exploded. Had a game for like 36 or something like that, 34, um, up to 28 points per game right now in this bright young season. Uh, Ben Simmons playing the role of, kind of what we wanted him to do, bring up the ball, get down to the block, and then don't move. And he – I noticed that in a game a couple of weeks ago. I had Ben Simmons. It was like over eight assists, and he had six. For the whole fourth quarter, this is what he would do stuff. He would bring the ball up on offense after a make from the other team. Bring the ball up on offense, move the ball to Bridges, and then literally stand at the block and wait for an offensive rebound. That's what we've been asking him to do forever, uh, but it screwed me off that bet. Um, but he's been doing his job. He's leading the team in rebounds, um, and, you know, you still obviously have bridges there. Dorian Finney-Smith has been a very bright spot on this team too, hitting a lot of three balls for this team, being very efficient on the defensive side as well. Brooklyn's kind of a, a, a gritty team, and I don't think Cam Thomas is going to be an issue for the Celtics, but I want to give him some props. He's averaging almost 30 points a game right now. Cam Thomas reminds me of Brandon Roy. That that's my mm. comparison. Just a pure um, score. I I want to I want to say I almost want to say like a Monte Ellis. Yeah, like he's just a pure hooper. That that's kind of all I take away from Cam Thomas. And that like a Jameer that, Nelson. That Nets team is fun. They'll pro. I could see them beating the Celtics in a game. To be honest, like I, I like how in that game. Yeah, but like when it comes down to it, and defense matters in the playoffs, not in the in-season tournament. Are, would you celebrate an in-season tournament win? Parade. Like, what do you do? Do you hang a banner? Parade. It's the FA Cup of the NBA. Yeah. Parade. All right. So, will would you Dark hang goes. a banner for the in-season tournament if it's the first one ever? Yes. After that, no. Okay. Can I answer now? Yes. Um, if you're the Boston Celtics, no, not enough space in the rafters. Oh, you know what would be fucking hilarious? If the 76ers won and hung the banner. Oh, my God, because they would. It's like, remember how the Colts did it with Andrew Luck when they, like, won the AFC South? No, they made it to the AFC Championship and they hanged the banner. They hung the banner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, yes. Championship Same finalists. Thing. Same thing. It's like, oh, that's like, uh, fucking. The Raptors oh, totally like won. Dak Prescott went in. Did the Raptors totally win? Scotty Barnes would be so lit winning the NBA. The Raptors, Raptors would, would shut down so Toronto. Raptor, well, Scotty Barnes is like borderline. You give that guy a cookie and he's throwing a parade. Um, <laughs> if like heat, the Heat, <laughs> the Heat would love the in season. The, the Heat, no, the Heat would be funny because like Heat Twitter would just be wrong. They would think they're the best team in the league because they want it. And like. If anybody else won it, they would just say it doesn't fucking matter, like that everyone else should go kill themselves. Like, if the Celtics won the in season tournament, Heat fans would just be like, 
Boston, you guys fucking suck. I hope you all die. Never needed Lillard. Yeah. It's like we don't need Damian Lillard. Like Jimmy Butler, yeah, play defense. Duncan Robinson. The Bucs suck too. I'm not worried about them. I, I'm so irrationally confident in the Celtics. It's not even funny. I've never been this confident in a Boston Celtics team in my life. I know. And like, I the reason why I'm so confident too is like, the if East something's sucks. wrong, the East sucks, first of all. But if something's wrong at the deadline, like if we don't like bench scoring, Brad Stevens is going to do something about it. He's going to oh, go. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. he, he's going oh, yeah. to end up getting like Buddy Heald and Daniel Tice from the from the Pacers and to solidify the bench and give up like Nemus Quita. You know, you know what I love Bring about Brad Stevens championship yeah. with us. Yes. You know what I love about Brad Stevens is what? the transition of a coach going into a GM and being like a coach. Like we know Brad Stevens as like a player's coach coming from college and doing this. Um, but what he applied from like recruiting in college, he's done like beautifully in the NBA. And it's not just in getting these guys like Christoph Porzingis, Derek White, Malcolm Brogdon, who's already gone. Um, but got different guys coming off the bench too that just have a lot of specific talents. Like you want to talk about Luke Cornett. Oh, look, there's a big that can shoot and get a lot of blocks um, or a high volume of blocks in the time that he's in. Sam Hauser is a three-point specialist. Peyton Pritchard's a dribble god who had a lot of experience and is, is a college basketball legend. He He's taken like – this guy's a nerd, right? And, you know, we didn't really talk much about the, the Red Sox new GM – but a quality that I think that this guy might have, what Brad Stevens has, is just being an absolute nerd, knowing literally everything and finding those pieces that can fit in that puzzle. And I think Brad Stevens is going to be able to do it. And like you said, stop, he's willing to go out and make moves to do it whenever it's necessary to get the job done as soon as possible. And ownership has full support to spend. Like what Grusbeck is on record saying like, I don't give a fuck about the those uh, luxury tax. Like he, they want to pay to get talent. Like they want to bring people. They want to make this team very good. They don't care what it takes. And I think that's the best spot to be in as fans because it's like you're awesome right now. But if some if a wheel falls off, they have a guy who's gonna fix it. Like they they have a plan what they're going to do at the deadline. I wouldn't be surprised if even they traded like Peyton Pritchard, to be honest. Like if he's not producing by the deadline, Definitely. I expect him gone. And I think that he's going to benefit wherever we send him. He's going to play well that because we're probably going yeah. to send him to an oh, yeah. unfavorable like location. That's probably not winning. Like, and he'll step into that role and he'll play excellent. And we'll get back a player who's unhappy there. That's why I brought up buddy healed. And imagine we got Tyrese Halliburton. That'd be fucking it would scary. literally be impossible to get Tyrese Halliburton. Not impossible. But like Miles Turner's not out of the equation. Imagine mm -hmm. Miles Turner would be sick. We've if been we, talking about Buddy Heald and Miles Turner since we were in middle school. So every single year. But we also have been talking about <laughs> Drew Holiday for a while too. Like everyone, yeah. every time Drew Holiday's name was in circulation, uh, he was linked to the Celtics. It's kind of like yeah. who's the other guy that was always in Celtics rumors? Oh, um, that just well, Gallinari was always, yeah. Also, it's like the know. Patriots of the Manuel Sanders back in the day, he was always linked to the Patriots. Or who who else is there? There's a guy who we always talk about 
that they should get. It, it might be Miles Turner, it, but there's somebody else. There's somebody else. We'll think of it eventually. But yeah, Miles Turner. Always, everyone's like, "Oh, let's get Miles Turner." This is the year to do it. Like, I like the Pacers. I think the Pacers are a decent team. I think that they their ceiling is like the fifth seed. Um, but if they want to sell at the deadline, give us Miles Turner, Buddy Heel, and we'll give you Peyton Pritchard, Nemes Guida, and every single draft pick you want. Dude, I really don't give a fuck about the draft. Like. The NBA draft sucks. How many times did the Celtics trade? Remember when we did that live recording of the draft? And it's like, <laughs> that episode, dude, that episode haunts us. Like, That's probably one of the worst episodes I've ever been a part of. Because it we just wanted to see who they would pick, and they just wouldn't we pick didn't anyone. Do it they on that back. Episode, they they didn't pick times. anyone. They kept moving back. And we would and have to go through, them. like, the, we'd be talking, and it would be the whole, it'd be the whole timer of the Celtics on the clock. And it'll be like, oh, they traded the pick, and then they picked, and then the OT picked this guy. We like, oh. bro, it was really? the worst recording ever. It was I, like probably one of the most confused I've ever been in my life. I felt like <laughs> yeah. Will. That I was didn't even know. Dude, because it's just like we would refresh Twitter. We would refresh Twitter, see what was happening, and then Woj would tweet out the Celtics traded back. And we all go, oh no, not again. <laughs> and then we <laughs> screwed over our recording. Yeah, they didn't think about us. I'm kind of, but we got like 85 second round picks. So it's like trade all of those for Miles Turner. So the Thunder. Was- what about the what about the Thunder? Thunder would love Peyton Pritchard. Darren would love that. Darren would be so good. Shout out Darren. Um, but Peyton yeah, Pritchard. Peyton, give us everyone. SGA. Give us SGA, and we will give you Peyton Pritchard. Yeah, deal. Done. Deal. Who Done. says no? Will do you say no? No, exactly. So we're all set. Like that's three votes for yes. Tell me, I can flip Payton Pritchard for SGA. Like, yeah, yes. Like Payton Pritchard and our second round picks for the next fifty years. Oh my god, that Thunder GM would eat that up. Fifty years of second round picks. Fifty years, <laughs> he would eat that up. And every <laughs> single, the, including every single one that we require in like a different trade as well. Yeah, you right get, that could turn into like a so every trade we make from there on out with a second round pick is a three team trade. Yeah, the Thunder immediately get that. <laughs> the Thunder just game. get the third round or the second round. Yeah. They just get it. They don't get That's anything. Their dividend. They acquire the dividend. That's from their the dim- Dale dividend. Yeah. Uh, I yeah, the, I think that oh, that's it for this. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Uh, we hope you guys enjoyed. It, I actually thought it was a good episode. Um, and I think if we listen back, there, you know, it wasn't really formatted because we didn't go on format, but we talked uh, about a lot of games, mentioned our locks of the week. We will be back later in this week. Um, and, you know, what a golden time it is for sports. Obviously, the MLB just finished, um, and the Rangers have been crowned the World Series champions. Um, but, you know, the yeah. NHL is in full effect. College football is in full effect. Um, I'd never addressed I have a black eye. Um, but I do. So whoever's viewing on YouTube, I'm sorry that if you first off, if you just watched the last hour, I can't believe it. Um, but to watch it when I have a black eye, because I'm the most handsome one out of this group is even more insane. Um, but anyways, well, there's Griff, a lot of stuff going on. Griff, you should see the other guy. Can't believe yeah, it's as simple as that. Uh, yeah, no, I'm not going to go into detail about what happened, uh, but you should see the other guy. Um, we will catch you guys later this week with some predictions. 
Um, and I'm going to put it right here. Uh, I'm going to put them on the table. And next episode, my lock of the week will be the lock of the year. It will hit. Um, so we hope you guys enjoy. Well, hold, on, guys hold, on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. If it doesn't hit, does that mean you automatically lose the jersey then? Yeah, you're getting this jersey on your birthday. Okay, but like, Will, as my witness, if you lose the lock of the year, I think the jersey bet ends and there's no competition between us. I, I automatically win if you lose the lock of the year. Yeah, yeah, I'm okay cool with that. I mean, I'm going to lose any, either way. So, I mean, a win here would just, just you basically like, uh, next you're week, stop, out. stop clinches. Stop clinches. Yes. Stop clinches the competition. You, yeah, you're going to clinch. You, I mean, you pretty, uh, if we run the numbers, I think you're only a couple weeks away. I think I week week like eleven or twelve, if I were to win out and whatever. Yeah, but, no, it'll be the lock of the year, and, and I'm saying that I'm saying that acting like I have a pick. I don't have a pick yet, so I got a couple days uh, to come up with my pick for the weekend. Um, but it's gonna be it's gonna have to be my lock of the year because uh, one 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 win right now unacceptable. I'm used to winning. I have championship right banners, um, and you know once it comes time when we're picking spreads of NBA games on this. Uh, podcast i'm not going to be very happy with my record for the season um we need to end this episode we hope you guys enjoyed yeah. uh peace <laughs> peace